You've now entered the lap of luxury. Prepare your soul for a lavish journey into enlightenment. Okay, we're back with uh, Jasm. I would like to, uh, yeah, start on that Saharan uh, des- or dust thing. That, isn't that shit crazy? I, when I first heard it, I thought it was like a duffel blog thing or something like that, you know, <laughs> satire. But is that does that just happen annually and this year's worse or something like that? I, I don't understand what's going on with that. This is the first time I ever remember hearing it in the news. I've seen, you know, volcanic ash has come up in the news from time to time. But a sandstorm across the ocean is new to me. <laughs> I somebody somebody was talking about it in my flight today and I thought he was just joking around. Uh, I was like, okay, whatever. And then, yeah, until you guys mentioned that just before we started, I was like, huh, well, I guess it is a thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nothing surprises me anymore. It's 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would have cool. thought that they bring it harder in July after murder hornets, but apparently not. Yeah. Nah, they're, they're just, they're just gearing up. They got to rest and refit so they can hit us the next thing. That's all. Well, and I saw, um, I don't know if you guys saw, like, scientists were, I mean, they were talking about something, I guess, but they were talking about, like, there's this new swine flu or something that's developing in pigs. That could be another pandemic or something. What? Yeah, it's just, like, another variation of swine flu. Oh, my gosh. So, I don't know if somebody eats a pig or has sex with one, I guess, or something like that. Like, you know, all bets are all. We just, at that point, we just need the flood to, we just got to hit the reset button, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think we're trending toward literal man bear pig by December. Yeah. <laughs> I think about it, I mean it's it's hit just in time for um for Fourth of July because people are going to be eating their brats and their uh, <laughs> hamburgers and stuff, and there's you know they got putting the sausages there, so it's it's a setup right now. I think that's what it yep. is. That's, that's going to be the uh, oh the mad cow disease of pork. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know what to do. I mean, people stop eating bacon. Like that's crazy. I'm not going to turkey bacon. I'm not going to do it. I refuse. <laughs> Been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> my mom tricked me when I was like three years old, and I wondered why I hated bacon for the longest time. But uh, yeah, that's what. What do man? I can't believe all all these things are happening. Like, it, uh, you know what the funny part is about this? Like, is this a bad year or is this a bad decade? <laughs> Boy. You know, oh man I, I think it's been a bad century so far <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've had some no. troubles man it's it's interesting to think i think about it every once in a while like i mean obviously this society changes over times but what would you say was really like what changed from i don't know how to say like more conservative and like I don't know, uh, like this is the way things are kind of thing to like now everybody's got like an opinion and things change more rapidly, I suppose. Obviously like technology, but maybe was it the rock music? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Music was better back then. Uh, I would. So you are obviously a T-Swizzle fan. Um, I think you would agree that pop music was better five to ten years ago than it is today i do not get what plays on the radio now billy eilish uh none yeah, of that stuff uh, appeals to me unpopular opinion she's terrible uh maybe it's not that maybe it's not that unpopular opinion but i don't think yeah i think it's unpopular amongst uh maybe like younger people i say younger people but uh 
but yeah, I don't know. She seems to have a big following. And I don't. Know, I can't. I don't really get it, get it. You know, like. Uh, well, I, I, I'm just thinking a little, kind of not along the music lines, but just thinking about how terrible things are. I mean, I gotta imagine like well, they had about 30 years of pretty bad things going from um, the depression to up through World War Two. Um, was eight, well, really World War One, depression, World War Two. That was pretty shitty. 30 years or so. So. Maybe we're not. Maybe things will come bounce back after what, twenty, thirty? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the mistake I made was growing up in uh, the nineteen nineties and assuming that that was normality when maybe it was just the tail end of a, you know, limited period of time that was awesome before the curve <laughs> trended south. Really, but man, the nineties really was awesome though. I know, right? Like there's. There's so much, just like in every avenue of life, there's so much better. Sure, we didn't have iPhones, that was a big whoop, but like, man, just thinking about what it was like to as a kid then and then versus being a kid now, like I can't imagine, I could, I could imagine, you know, eight-year-old luxury living now. <laughs> there's no way. I would. I don't, I don't know what I'd do. I think I'd just be the lamest kid ever or I would be in jail or something. I don't know. I mean, it'd be like being grounded all the time because parents can't let kids go play outside and all that stuff anymore. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Like dealing with kids must be a fucking headache right now. Yeah. Um, I guess was the nineties so good because the world was so calm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I guess, I guess it was relatively calm. There's always, I mean, there's always, yeah. Middle East was kind of up and down and, uh, or at least our involvement in the Middle East, I should say. And then kind of world affairs, uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I think that iPhones and Internet and all that stuff contributed to the polarization that has made everything nowadays seem so much angrier and more significant. I mean, there were political arguments 20 years ago, but if there's one thing you, know, you were asking earlier, what's the biggest thing that's changed? I think the biggest thing that's changed is everybody has an opinion about politics and really cares about it nowadays with about the same level of information about politics that they had 20 years ago, they just feel so much more strongly about it. And, yeah. you know, you get to see what people really think. You get to see their internal monologue on the internet in a way that you never <laughs> had to think about. Yeah. I think yeah. it's having a platform too. That's the thing. Like yeah. kind of, everybody's a captive audience. If you're following them, you know, um, you can kind of say whatever you want versus like everybody, we kind of all see, you can say whatever you want on the internet, just about, um and people kind of have to listen or they have to block you so um yeah it's kind of a captive audience like you couldn't you couldn't just say like if you're 20 years ago before there was the facebook and all that wonderfulness um you have to wait until you got like in a like polite company with them or i guess unpolite (laughs) company now because like you don't you don't just go over to people's houses and start talking about that apologies uh yeah yeah, the circle of people that you talk about those things with is a lot bigger now than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Is like, yeah, people having a voice, you know. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting, and also, it's interesting to think about. Like back in the day, you didn't know what other people were kind of thinking as much as you do now, you know. <laughs> like kind of like what you guys were saying, but like you know, on Facebook, if you have a politically like polarized friend or something like that who like really leans one way and like you know always makes status updates or something like that like you wouldn't have known that back in the day because unless you like talk to them all the time you know what i mean like if they were just some acquaintance and you have them as a friend on facebook you could 
find out about them. But if you if they were just some acquaintance back in the day, then you would have no idea. Yeah, I, I'm under the point where I don't even judge people based on their actual political opinions. I judge people based on how they represent themselves on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> yeah. People I agree, disagree. I disagree with hate quite a lot, but his <laughs> social media presence is generally funny, pointed, on topic, not preachy. I can live with that. But there's other people that I do agree with that, you know, every day it's a crisis. And if you don't agree with them, then you're the devil. And, yeah. you know, just don't have patience for that. Yeah. It's, I yeah. I would say everybody has to, like, it doesn't matter what you think, just as long as you have an open mind and can be swayed with, like, logic, I suppose. You know what I mean? Or, mm-hmm. like, like some reasoning, some level of reasoning. But if you're just, like, uh, what is it called? Like, dying on your hill or something or just, like, standing yeah. there. You know, that's like stupid, right? Yeah. If you're stubborn, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And if you're stubborn to the point of getting into a back and forth and needing to uh, have a counter argument to every single argument, I think Zen is knowing that no one's mind ever got changed by something they saw on social media. So it's one <laughs> thing to put your idea out there, you know, maybe one or two replies. But if you just sit there and argue, 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 uh, then to me, you're wasting your time. Yeah. I think. Uh... Jeez, man, I'm making all kinds of noise today. Uh, so I think civility is part of that too. You know, just understanding, like, hey, it's okay to it's okay to agree to disagree. Um, I think on the on the most the most part, like when you're talking about everyday interactions with people in person, I think most people can get on board with that, and at least wait to. <laughs> and if they don't, at least they wait till you're you're gone to talk shit. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, it's like, oh well, you know, this guy's an idiot, and oh, I can't can you believe this? And now, yeah, you can tag people, and it's getting pretty pretty hairy out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like, I mean, tribalism is really what kills it, right? That's like kind of what we're talking about, I guess. Like, yeah. you sh- I feel like you shouldn't really. It's it's odd to register, I think, yourself as something, right? Because you should have like I don't know, um, I don't know if you guys know Vic. Uh, I guess I can't say his actual name, but Jasmine, I think you know him from the uh, yeah. the Nighthawk, Nighthawk days. But mm-hmm. um, he showed me a website called I Side With, where like you take a quiz on all like kind of the topics, and they kind of tell you where you fall on the meter. But it's like. Mm-hmm. I think you should just have an answer to all those questions, right? But you shouldn't, and like, you know, those questions or answers might change over time, I suppose. But you shouldn't say like, oh, I'm a Republican to the end or I'm a Democrat to the end. You know, it's like, yeah, <laughs> you should really just have like what your opinion is or like your reasoning on, on certain things. It shouldn't like, and I mean, sure that we've made categories for that. But if mm-hmm. you just stay, if you just say like, oh, I'm a Democrat and whatever the Democrats say, I'm going with. Then that's yeah. where we get in trouble, I think, you know. Yeah, I, I think that um, partisan alignment within the two party system serves a legitimate purpose based on the way that our elections are run. Uh, we call it the first past the post system, i.e. the person with a plurality or a, or a majority wins. We don't have proportional representation like in uh, Europe, where, you know, if a party gets 20 percent in an election, they get 20 percent of the seats in Congress. So since it doesn't work like that, then it is a you know, party versus party race in each congressional district. So it's rational to be aligned from convenience with one of the two sides, if you will. But then going from that and shaping your whole identity based on that, I think is unhealthy. And it reflects the fact that 20 years ago, people 
define their personal identity based on a more broad set of things, you know, based on their church, based on the social organizations that they were in, uh, based on their maybe their region of the country, their family. And now I feel like we've become much more highly individualized. And there's been this um, sorting that's happened where there used to be more political diversity, ideological diversity, whatever you want to call it, within regions of the country. And now it's turned into this tribal thing that you're talking about, where it's your uh, southern people are very, um, you know, very big on that. uh, I'll call it Doug Dynasty culture, I guess. Like that's an identity. (laughs) It's not just a brand or a TV show. Right. And then they stereotype people that are from the coasts as being this other thing. And then that starts to take on the binary nature of politics and politics is binary for institutional reasons. But our broader identities, there's no reason that it should be uh, as black and white as that. Yeah, I think it kind of hits at the uh, kind of sticking along the theme. Uh, I think it kind of hits with the globalism within the country, I say. I know it's not really globalism technically, but um, how easily information and culture is able to spread. And then, uh, that in conjunction with um, like you were talking about identity politics with now it's at a point like just like when people say, you know, I'm unapologetically liberal. I'm unapologetically conservative. It's almost like they want and need to be part of a group and becoming part of that group. They now feel, okay, since I'm I'm part of this group and information is spread so far from the south to the north or whatever, they need to match with these other groups, whether I'm in if I'm in Washington state and then I need to match with this other group that's also in, happens to be in South Carolina. And we all kind of have the same group because I want to be part of that one team. So I think that kind of uh, also has kind of pigeonholed us into these, uh, I guess, parties, not parties, but um, kind of right. ways of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, uh, the... Uh... The, the thing the other day, or maybe it was two days ago, in St. Louis, there were these protests going on, and there's this couple holding guns <laughs> on their lawn at people walking down their street. That what would not this? be national this, news. Is this a meme? Because I, I saw something about – I've seen a bunch of memes today about – what is this? That's just well, they become a meme. What happened? Anything that can't be memed will be memed. Well, <laughs> supposedly they live on a private street, and based on their house, I believe it, and these protesters, I guess – busted the gate down and were marching through their private street on the way to protest against the mayor of St. Louis. Don't know the full background on that, but this couple comes out, woman holding a pistol, husband holding a rifle, and they look like a particular stereotype of angry gun owners with a lot of money and (laughs) led itself very readily to the viral nature of the internet. But uh, I have a hard time imagining that it's, ridiculous in 2000 or 1999 would that be national news i don't know uh man i don't know this this is comedy though this <laughs> this is lady just i mean there's in front of a nice house was just walking around pointing like it looks like these guys like tony montana or something standing in front of his house yeah <laughs> this is wild is he, he's in like a pink polo or something too yeah. like what the <laughs> fuck you know like <laughs> that is Gold. See, that's funny, though, like the whole walking up to the mayor's house. Like I always think about the mayor as living like like you could never reach his house, essentially, you know, 
but they yeah. did and then of course his neighbors or somebody's going to be some high profile guys too just like jazz uh, talking about oh, like, so, that was the, so this is the mayor that they did this to the well they were they mayor. were going to the mayor's house i think but the this is their neighbor or somebody down the street the the people with the guns ah Okay, and they're I, just like, I guess they're trying to get ahead of it, essentially, but obviously a little bit too uh, aggressive there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, this is wild. <laughs> and they, it's like it's like such a weird, um, what's it called, like kind of mix of like, they have like, you know, guns, so they have a lot of power, but you can tell they have no idea what they're doing with them also, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Right. It's like if you like threw a random person in like Call of Duty or something like that, you know. <laughs> what do I do? How do I stop this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is man. That's that so is odd. I didn't realize that. I thought they were like walking up to like these people's house and like ah oh, no, it's just they're passing by. It looks yeah. like and they decided like all right, you guys stay away. Yeah, they really don't like Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> it's, it's good. Not, like I, I wish I like because nobody got hurt, right? But Not that I know of. I wish I heard like the conversation between that man and woman before they're like, "Oh shit, we gotta get ahead of this." You know, let's get let's grab the guns. What are we gonna do with them? I don't know. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If we're gonna stand out here. Yeah, just have yeah. a presence. You know, like yeah. But to what you said, kind of to go with what you said, like I'm sure now just watching this, like sure, there's people who've been memeing this, which I'm I'm convinced, like we've said before, uh, an asteroid could be hitting, getting ready to hit us, and we'll meme ourselves all the way to death. <laughs> but, um, <they're, laughs> I'm sure now there's going to be polarized things. People are going to be calling for these guys' heads, and then other people are going to be like, oh, they're, you know, doing their God-given right, and just, just kind of split down the middle and two sides, other than just looking at these two people just doing whatever they're doing, <laughs> whether comedy or not. Uh, I'm sure it's going to spark some kind of debate or boogaloo boys to come out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Man, they must be, you know, those high-profile people must be like, or like high-status people, mm-hmm. must be like so pissed that, you know, they got bothered by protesters. You know what I mean? Yeah. I imagine yeah. like the HOA well, like... or something is going to be when you're rich enough to have that house and live on a private street yeah. and you're not quite rich enough to have private security there, <laughs> it's got to create a lot of anxiety. Yeah. That's like what we talk about on the podcast sometimes, like the difference between like making like $900,000 a year and like a million, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just that like kind of little slice that you're missing, you know, private security. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, it wouldn't surprise me, like, looking at it, like, it'd be like that, that guy's, like, nephew's, like, an AR, or sorry, uh, air, uh, airsoft rifle or something, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't doubt it, because I, I was like, I've never seen somebody walk around with an uh, AR-15 that looks like that nowadays. Like, man, he must have had that from Nam or something. Or, like, he just, like, comes out with a super soaker, like, <laughs> painted black or something, and somebody's like, is that a super soaker? He's like, no. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> Come test me and find out. (laughs) So I wonder how it is, because I always wonder about that, like if you're mayor, like somebody super rich, I mean, I guess if you're somebody super rich, you can do whatever you want, but if you're like the mayor, do you have to live in a certain area or something like that? Or like if you just lived in a random house with like no no gate or anything, I wonder if that's kind of like a, almost a liability kind of thing. I guess it's Mm -hmm. your own choice, I suppose, but that's kind of interesting. It would always be interesting to me, like, some like really high profile person just living in a random neighborhood, you know? Right. 
Yeah, like the the mayor of New York City has Gracie Mansion. It makes you wonder how far down the population scale of major cities do you have to go before you know you no longer see publicly owned residences, and then how far further do you have to go down before you see people living in normal people housing. Yeah, exactly. What is the yeah. mayor? What do you think the mayor of uh, like Minot lived in? I don't remember. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I do. I, I don't even know who he was. I mean, I guess I right. never know who the mayor is, you know, but like, <laughs> yeah. to this day, I don't. But um, Lux, she lived in Chicago. Does the mayor of Chicago have a publicly owned mansion like the mayor of New York? Um, so for sure. Well, I was from uh, I'm from Indy, but I don't know. I, I imagine Chicago yeah. would have one. Yeah. But didn't you go to college in Chicago? Why am I thinking no, that? Holy no, Cross? Yeah, I went to I was in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts there. Oh, we're sure Polytechnic. Yeah, they got that. Or I went to Holy Cross, and yeah, there's actually some couple of people from WPI, Worcester Polytechnic, uh, who I work with. But um, yeah, I was out on the East Coast. I don't know. To me, I don't know. I don't know what the mayor of Worcester would. I can see probably the mayor of Worcester just living in a trap house or something uh, <laughs> because <laughs> because it's Worcester. But it's on the it's it's. Worcester's kind of glowing up right now. Yeah. Um, I, I but for go, go ahead, sorry. I mean, do the mayors really do it? Like, especially these small towns, like, is it mostly just like everything's going fine? Okay. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess it's kind of like Parks and Rec almost type of thing. Yeah. I, that's probably a good way to put it, uh, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. In Abilene, Texas, it's definitely more in the Parks and Rec scale. <laughs> I was gonna ask luxury what um uh a little bit of a tangent, but what how is the culture shock going to Massachusetts from uh Indiana? Uh well they're like two opposite cultures. So you have a red state in Indiana and a blue state in uh Massachusetts. Um they both hate each other because of the Colts versus the Patriots. Um so it was pretty it was it's weird because I was like, Okay, I'm going to Massachusetts. Good. I hate the Colts and uh, <laughs> I'll be in a great place. And I kind of like the Patriots. And I get there, and after a year, I'm like, damn, I hate the Patriots. I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> like, These Patriots fans are assholes. They're sitting there. I'm like, like just uh, so a uh, uh, tangent. The so like you know you have the kind of the stereotypical Boston slash Massachusetts, or they call them assholes. Um, mm-hmm. It's like I was I was reading. Um, a book called Revolutionary Summer by uh, Joseph Ellis. This is a couple years ago. And it's funny because the the people from Massachusetts kind of like how they how they are today is how they were then. And that's why they're like that's part of the reason why the revolution um, took off, because the people from Massachusetts were like, fuck you. We don't want this. We're not going to take this shit. And like (laughs) talking shit to them. And like that's kind of like their whole attitude from then hasn't. And like you look at, um, for instance, John Adams, um, Massachusetts born and raised. And he was like he was a asshole, essentially super smart guy, super intelligent. But like just the way he went about things, he was like, that's how he was. And it's still to this day like that. Um, versus like you kind of have like the civilized Virginians and they're like, oh, well, we don't know. Maybe we're going to maybe we'll side with England. Maybe we won't. And Massachusetts is like, fuck you. This is America. We do what we want. And, <laughs> and, and then the, the rest of the people were like, well, they got us into it. So I guess we'll fucking join then. 
So it was kind of, it, I think that culture, like it's kind of, it's weird to see that it's held on for so long. It's just, like I said, they're not bad people by any means. Just like, that's just the mentality, the, the ideology. And I kind of not like, I fell in love with it without having to like be part of it. Cause like I got some of my best friends from out there and it's just, it's so, it's so odd. It's almost like a, I'm not. I'm not gonna. Like, I won't appropriate their culture. But, <laughs> but like, it's just. I don't know. It's different, and it's kind of cool. It's unique um, because it's not where I'm from. Like Indiana is. Like it's very. Um, not the pretty much the exact opposite. Not boisterous at all. Um, it's like you do. You put your head down. It's like, it's kind of like the meme where the guy said, "It ain't much, but it's honest work." That's yeah. pretty much. That that could be the. <laughs> that could be the motto of Indiana. I'd say. So versus going to Massachusetts is completely different. So uh, I like both. I, I love Indiana, but it's it's kind of fun to live in Massachusetts. In Worcester, was there a big tribal thing as far as, uh, you know, being so close to Boston? But I don't know. Was there like a rivalry there? People, you know, adamant about their Worcester culture? What was that like? Uh, no, not really. It's kind of everybody because Massachusetts is so small, especially if you're on the like central to eastern part of Massachusetts, you pretty much just consider yourself part of Boston. Um, if you ask anybody from Massachusetts where they're from, they're probably going to say Boston. Um, just about uh, everybody considers himself because like because New England is so tight. Um, everybody considers themselves basically a New Englander um, from my experience and um, they just kind of build around that, like especially sports, like sports is huge out there. So like they kind of coalesce around that. And uh, there's very little like, like, oh, I'm from Worcester. Um, now, if you start talking about the city of Boston, uh, we talk about people from being like, oh, I'm from Southie or, you know, oh, that person, they're from the Cape or that, you know, these these when they start talking about um, where they're at from around the city, there's a little bit more tribalism. But um if you make it outside of the kind of suburbs of, um, of Boston, it's not really there so much. Um, yeah. Hmm. How many people on the, uh, on the team were, um, in state or like from there, I guess. Uh, I'd say from Massachusetts, if there is a hundred guys, I bet you, uh, probably 30, um, oh really? Okay. New England, I'd say I'd say probably about sixty, maybe maybe fifty or sixty from New England, and then everybody else's for the most part. Um, uh, you you'd probably say Jersey or uh, like New York, Jersey, and then Texas. Um, ben Atlantic. Yeah, um, yeah. It's because like it's it's so weird out there because there's not really D two or D three schools. It's all like division one double a so it's kind of weird like you have the same level of your same caliber kind of athlete it's just there's not this amount of school so it's kind of weird i mean it makes sense for like um population density i suppose kind of thing but i feel like i've never met anybody from new hampshire or like vermont <laughs> or like you know before i went to minot uh north dakota or something like that you know what i mean yeah. like, it's like yeah. do these states even really exist like i've <laughs> I've only met like one person from Maine and it's like, you know, it's like, why? I don't know. I guess, I guess a lot of those States people just stay in their state and they never move out or move around. You know what I mean? I don't know if I met anybody from Maine in the air force. I, I, 
I've met, yeah, she wasn't in the Air Force, but I met somebody from my college who was from Maine. But that guy's the one. That's it. Yeah. Like for all I know, the maniacs uh, that <laughs> zap yeah. that is everywhere across the world. For oh all I know, God. that's something that the Matrix created to make us think that there's a main. <laughs> uh, yeah, we talk about the simulation all the time on here. Yeah. I think uh, I, at my work, I got three guys from Maine. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I think it's just because they're outdoorsmen, so that's maybe uh, probably what, they, what brought them to what we do. But Yeah, um, maybe that's a good point. Maybe like a lot of those people would be more prone to go to the Army. I mean, I guess they're – are they Air Force? Uh, all Air Force, yeah. Oh, okay. But I maybe are like they some of the- 13 Limas, though? Yes, they are. So they self selected into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess maybe some of those states would be more prone, I suppose. Maybe like more outdoor activities would be more prone to army, I suppose. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. That's interesting. I, I, but I'd, I'd buy that. Um, yeah. Although Texas right now, I think, I think Texas is might as well be like, if, if they're not, if it's not true. I think they're at least like forty percent of the military. I don't know how. I don't know <laughs> yeah, how I possible, know. but like for I, tax reasons and nothing else. Yeah, so <laughs> like people like I feel like everywhere I go, I'm like, hey, where are you from? I can like let me guess, Texas. I'm like, how did you know? I'm like, I can just tell. Like, it was a wild guess. Like, I'm probably gonna be fifty percent. I got fifty percent chance here. Yeah. And I like I didn't. I just still didn't feel like Texas is that po- like as far maybe it's it's not that populous or maybe it is. It's well, I guess it's one of the more populous states when you think about mm-hmm. it, but. I don't know. Yeah. And I think it's number just two. The presence there of like eight. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Damn. What's number one? Africa, California. California. Yep. And New York probably be three. Uh, I think so. I think so. I, I want to say Florida and New York were like gunning uh, for uh, each yeah. other for number three. Hmm. Wow. Well, I guess yeah. It's such a it's a lot of land, but then you also have a a few what like three or four major cities like big cities yeah. so houston's number four in the country san antonio's number seven uh dfw metroplex if you put it together would probably be you know equal or bigger to those Jeez. yeah i didn't realize how big houston was somebody was talking about that recently how they were up there in terms of the uh biggest cities in the in america and i i don't know i never thought about them that way i suppose but yeah that's really interesting I've never been either, which I'm not too far away right now. So that'd be a that'd be a cool weekend to do once uh, all this bullshit's done. Yeah. But um, <clears throat> but uh, hey, Jasm, you uh, you moved somewhere recently, huh? What was it? Two years ago? I, now? I, I did. It's been about 18 months since I, I moved oh, really? from yeah the the bayou of Louisiana, five <laughs> short hours to dusty West Texas. Yeah. How's it and, been? Uh, it, it's been good. So, uh, you know, what you're alluding to for people that aren't familiar with the background is, uh, after eight glorious years in the B-52, <laughs> the world's most historic battle plane, as <laughs> one of our pilots, Sammy Smalls, used to say, uh, I <laughs> cross-flowed to the B-1, the uh, Rockwell four-engine bomber, Reagan's bomber, as uh, her people call it. <laughs> uh, America's bomber because they subcontracted to all 50 states so that it was cancellation proof the second time around. Uh, and and it's been an interesting experience. You know, you're, we were talking about tribalism earlier. Literally, crews enter the B-1 and the B-52 from different directions. The B-52, you always enter the jet from the left side of the aircraft or it is bad luck. 
and get on the B one, yeah, the B one you enter from the right side. Really? No one, no one ever briefed this to me. It's just what I saw from day one, and you know, it's never been explained to me. It's just something that happens, and uh, you know, so that shows you, uh, <laughs> you know, just how vast the differences can be for two groups of people that do the same thing. Well, like you th- I well, a, I'm, maybe I'm just stuck on this, but like I feel like you could do everything from the left side. For instance, like if you get in, if you were to get into any fighter, any airplane, you get in the left side of the airplane, right? Like if you get on a commercial jet, the walkways on the left side of the airplane or the port side, if you will. Um, I I don't understand. Like if you if you get in the T six, the canopy opens up one way. If you get mm-hmm. in, like if you get in a fighter. The stairs are always on the left. Like, I don't understand what – maybe they're just like, ah, we can do it, so we will. I don't know. Right. Uh, so if I had one guess, the control for lowering the hatch and lowering the ladder, uh, if if it was raised for some reason, like if it gets windy, we will raise that. Normally they just hang down. Uh, you know, unlike, unlike the B-52, it's fairly high off the ground, so you have to have <laughs> yeah. a long ladder to get up. Right. So they'll raise that on a windy day. The control for, for lowering that – when it's closed, is on the right side of the nose gear, uh, as is the control for starting the APU on an alert start, which is not something that we've done since the early 90s, but it's there. <laughs> so, you know, maybe it's a long-lost artifact that no one remembers from the nuclear case. <laughs> that makes sense. But they just keep doing it, yeah. I'll buy that. Um, yeah, thanks for giving the history there, or the um, explaining that. That was... Uh, that's well, just lost, the or yeah. I mean, sorry, the that you were that you're going to the you went to the bone essentially. I yeah. kind of glossed over right. that, but um, but um, yeah. How's it been otherwise? Pretty easy. I mean, you're obviously a very smart guy. Pretty easy transition, or I'd say it's been pretty good. You know, we both have friends that have that have done it and have had varying experiences doing it, and. <laughs> Every single person I know that has done it that just clicked okay. has been a smart person. I don't know any dumb people that have I don't know any dumb people that have flown either jet. Uh, like truly dumb people. Yeah. I know no remotely dumb people that have cross flowed, but people have had varying levels of experience. And I had a conversation with one of them who I won't uh, ID even by call sign, but they they compared it to being an immigrant. And <laughs> because of the fact that you speak with an accent, people think you're dumb even though you're smart because you are learning a second language and an accent is a product of the fact that you're learning a second language most americans don't speak one language so why do we look down on people that speak with accents (laughs) but whatever uh the the terminology and the lingo and all of that stuff is you know similar enough that you can mutually communicate but it's different enough that it's easy and you say the slightly wrong thing slightly non-standard thing and then everybody looks at you like you're crazy and it's the <laughs> assumption is not like oh you know they have a different way of talking about this outside the community the assumption is what our community does is the calf standard and anything different from that is non-standard and reflects particularism of where this person came from but in reality both communities do things that are Calf standard, both things do things that are slightly different or use terminology in a slightly different way, and nobody recognizes it. And then you also have the phenomena of 
everybody judges every other community by the dumbest, most embarrassing behavior they've seen <laughs> out of that community. <laughs> Not all the people that do it right, but, you know, people that um, try to take high explosive bombs to Smokey or people that put uh, bombs in lakes, uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> not going to talk about, you know, not going to tie particular units to either of those examples. Um, you know, it's not that there are not examples in the B1 community of people that have done dumb things. It's just that, you know, inside your own community, you think of the awesome people as being the norm. And then when you think of the other community, you think of people that put, Bombs in Lake Canopolis. So I guess if there's one thing to, I guess if there's one thing to take away from that, it's when you're thinking about other communities to try to have a little more grace and know that the information sample you're going off of is skewed because it's the sexiest story, the most like roll call story that traveled in the most viral way. And then the second thing to take away from that is to uh, know that people are going to judge you that way and hold the people that you work with to a very high standard based on that. Yeah. Well, I, I will say this. Um, and this is not because like, this is not because I'm not a B one guy. I think the B one is a beautiful looking aircraft, but I think you're probably like when I combine you, my previous commander, and then like maybe I see, I think I had two instructors in nav training that I liked. Um, but so far that's the only, the only bone guys that I've, had like had a enjoyable um experience with and it's not like it's like i give them a shot like i i don't expect them not to be cool mm-hmm. guys but like man i don't know and and also I've, I've met these guys outside of the bone so maybe they are just out of there but man they were not that i said not that they weren't smart just they were just really difficult people to deal with <laughs> mm-hmm. um so i don't know i mean i don't think i don't think by any means that's the standard it's just I don't understand yeah. why my, my, my experience has been like that. So, yeah. I, I, I wonder about the internal dynamics of that, you know, cause I've, I've arrived obviously at a particular time in the history of the platform. So I only have, <laughs> you know, these last 18 months to go off of since uh, the community downsized people in order to try to, you know, size the squadrons according to the number of, of training sorties that maintenance can actually generate, you know, we're, it's no secret. We're talking about reducing the fleet by, uh, about a third in order to pay for other things, uh, multi-domain yeah. command and control or whatever the latest buzzword is. Um, <laughs> yeah. but I do wonder, you know, I've heard stories about the two thousands and, you know, co-pilots took forever to upgrade and could never get enough sorties and things like that. And it was kind of, a uh, a dog eat dog thing as far as who got to fly the most, who got to upgrade who got to stay in the community versus you know who got maybe involuntary other opportunities based on <laughs> being on the the short end of of the flying hour totem pole so uh, you know maybe that affects people's um i don't know the, the attitudes of the people that, that we're exposed to uh i would say that there's a an attitude and a i don't it, it's more like more like what you see from the stereotypical fighter guy. And I say that that's probably, if anything, the stereotype of the community is that, uh, oh, bone guys think that they're fighter guys. And I think that historically the reason for that is uh, back in the mid-90s to early 2000s, one of the B-1 squadrons was at Mountain Home in the composite wing with 
Strike Eagles and Vipers and uh, CRC, and they had a bunch of stuff. And it was this experiment in having all the Air Force functions at one base. Mm-hmm. And I'm guessing those guys had to learn to behave in a certain way in order to be credible with the Strike Eagle guys that they were debriefing with. And when that squadron got bracked and moved to Ellsworth, the people that grew up in that squadron disseminated that behavior to the rest of the community. And a lot of it's for the good. Some of it's for, um, you know, makes it more challenging interpersonally sometimes. But I think it's generally for the good, at least as far as how people apply that to their work. Um, But I think that's why that permeates the B-1 community in a way that it doesn't necessarily in the B-52 community. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. That makes sense. Uh, I'll buy that, yeah. And you uh, you have a special flavor, too, with the uh, the reserves, right? Right. That's true. And the reserves were inherently more uh, more diverse, fewer people. You know, probably only about half the people grew up exclusively in the B-1 community. We have people with experience from buffs, tankers, C-130s, F-15Es, F-18s, um, helicopters, you name it. So hmm. I think that uh, also makes for a unique cultural environment. That's probably pretty cool, though, because then you got you get a little, like you said, a little flavor from everywhere. And I got to imagine that the uh, the community is pretty cool to be part of uh, because you get to a couple of different or quite a few different personality types uh, from all those different communities. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I, you know. I like that aspect of it. I liked that aspect of it in the reserves at Barksdale. And I think the proof in the pudding is the fact that the, the active duty Lieutenant co-pilots and young Wizzos always want to fly with us. <laughs> That's awesome. What, why is this? Cause they to learn from you guys more or what? Uh, I think, I think it's that, I think it's that maybe we're a little more chill in some ways. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I can see yeah. That. I always think the reserves are like, or yeah, like the reserves and guard are what people like the average crew dog dog I think wants to be right. It's like they're still doing their job, but they're like chill and like they care about the important things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. I, like that's where it's almost like I wish the Air Force would just kind of get a hint at that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's what people want to do. They just want to fly and do their job. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to like uh, you know some people go on like an admin track. I mean, not that that doesn't happen in the reserves or whatever, but. Just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This COVID thing could not have hit at a worse time because the active duty was finally getting the picture that they needed to do more to retain and hold on to their people and, and improve morale. And we're starting to negotiate with terrorists about assignments and things like that. And <laughs> recognize that they didn't hold all the cards. And now they're like, oh, we fixed the glitch. All the airline pilots are wanting to come back. Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah, the Air Force must be happy about that, like, or, you know, secretly happy that uh, the airlines aren't looking too attractive right now, obviously. That shit's crazy, man. But um, what I, I guess, kind of really wanted to talk to was uh, the uh, the buff crew dogs. I guess we don't have too much time left on this episode, but I think we can kind of yeah, get it, slip it in there. Yeah, sure, sure. But, uh, yeah, if you want to give, like, a 23-second or 69-second uh, um overview of what you kind of put on there yeah sure uh so to sum it up i guess i started off by talking about the fact that there is a radar navigator out there in the b-52 community who i think has finally retired but for the longest time this individual's call sign or name or any of that stuff was 
a beer word. If you refer to them by anything other than their initials, you had to buy a round for everybody that you erred by saying in front of because (laughs) they were the radar nav that was responsible for pre-flooding the advanced cruise missiles that were being flown from Minot to Barstow to be decommissioned and didn't check and didn't find out that there were nuclear warheads loaded in half of them. And I thought it was funny that this person's name was ruined in the community and and was a beer word when there was another person from about the same time that in a way screwed over the community in a much more fundamental way, uh, at least as far as people's morale. And and we never talk about that person or what they did uh, or, you know, make it a beer thing. And what what that stems from is in 2006, we had been we the royal we had been involved in the global war against terror for five years since 9-11 b-52s and b-1s had been deploying to diego garcia to do close air support in afghanistan and you know 2005 2006 bus rotated through 2000 spring 2006 the 20th was the last squadron through and while the 20th was out there there was a b-52 instructor radar navigator um, black border patch from the 340th whips. So instructor at the weapons school who was on a non-flying deployment to the KOC at the deed working for the, at that time it was CENTAF. It wasn't absent yet working for the, the AFOR staff. And they were tasked with finding a way to deliver cast in a less ex- expensive way. And they figured out that maintaining a tanker bridge to fly bombers from Diego into Afghanistan and back was a really expensive way of doing cast and they figured out that you could put b1s at led and they could do that mission with one less air refueling than what they uh required to support b52s and b1s out of diego well unfortunately at that time the deed was not suitable for b52s only diego was so by pushing forward their good idea to the metaphorical bombs from office space they got the B-52 kicked out of theater for essentially 10 years, which, <laughs> you know, 2012 when I came in or 2011 when I came in through 2016 when we found out that we were going back, morale was in the crapper. I don't know. Yeah. I know you guys remember, uh, especially I don't know, but what, what year did you guys get up to mine? Uh, like 2014? Uh, 2015 was when I got I was, there. Yeah, I, mean, I was 2015 as well. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, what did you guys hear about? the buff when you were at nav school and when you were at barksdale what was the the perception like well i'll speak for myself um i i remember like because i think buffs were it, it, they were on my list um i had them at number i think number three or four um only because i was like well i wanted it because i wanted to be in something that dropped bombs i ended up putting them at the bottom because i knew if i had them higher on my list i'd be more likely to get it <laughs> but i sucked so i was gonna get it no matter what <laughs> uh but i remember like somebody consultants like hey man you know it's cool like he like this guy he had got like strike eagles which i wanted and he was like hey man it's cool um you're gonna drop way more bombs than i'll ever drop and i was like and if this sums it up i was like on a fucking training range sure like like (laughs) i'm not gonna do anything i was like and like you talk to like the like majors and stuff who were there and they'll tell you about nuke and uh, that's kind of all you really knew. Like we're gonna, we're, I'm not going to combat because um, the B ones were going to combat. Um, mm-hmm. 
and I'm going to be doing nuke, which is not fun. So I was like, that was essentially what I thought was going to happen. And uh, in 2016, when they announced that we were going to go back, I was like, well, I'll believe it when I see it. And then next thing you know, uh, what was it? The 20th went out the door, I think. And I was like, holy shit, this is actually going to happen. And yeah. Uh, I was still holding. I was like, ah, they're just gonna cancel after one. And then finally, like, I didn't, I didn't believe it until I stepped off the plane in the desert and I just saw just dirt everywhere and moon dust. And I was like, well, I'm here, boys. <laughs> I guess this is happening. <laughs> yeah, mine was, mine was similar. It was such a weird. It was like you wouldn't, based off of what Pensacola was, you know, kind of the mentality around there. You wouldn't think the B-52 had a B in front of it. You know, like, right. it didn't seem like it was dropping bombs or anything. It was like only the B-1 was like the... It was like B-1 and F-15E was the, like the things to have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and man, what a what a crazy, crazy time because of that guy that uh, the buff went through, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, just with the lull, you know, of like a striker to not strike when there was opportunities around. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so odd dude yeah i i feel like just going to global strike yeah yeah the other person got a major command stood up and uh yeah global <laughs> thunder was worse than it maybe would have been otherwise and uh, <laughs> had to do all the generations and stuff but we still would have gotten to the desert and done the other part of our job and had had morale and um you know not to be too profane but i felt like the community lost its belief that it had a pair of balls and yeah, yeah so true. it got that back 2016 to 2018 yeah it was uh it's very interesting to see how that like how there's such a change in uh mentality that went through because you even saw um probably within the community like how uh, i I guess i can't really speak for um the whole community but like i can know my experience the uh, the level of how important uh, or not how important but like the level of realistic tactical knowledge um, had the importance of it was mm-hmm. like before that was kind of all theoretical and yeah, it was like tactical. simulated. Yeah. You'd be like, Oh, well this is what's going to happen in real life. And then all of a sudden now like you start, you start to see um, where you could actually say somebody was an expert at this or somewhat or somewhat subject matter expert. And you have like real experiences that you can go off of and you say, Oh, well I can just like come out and say, almost, almost come up with a number out of your ass um, and say, Hey, this is what I think would happen because you just have those lived experiences. So, and then all of a sudden you spread that across the uh, really across the, the spectrum. Like I said, I'd say now in my current job, like the, had it not been for what I saw, like I wouldn't be doing what I do now or had the opportunities Um in this job or in this career field that I'm in now, had it not been for those six months um, that could have been avoided or could have, or could have been taken away or not had the opportunity all because of um, this guy who will go unnamed. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, suppose I, I suppose I see their point with like saving money. Um, but then like, I mean, it hurt the bones so much, right? Like yeah. the burner was like worked hard and yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess, like, just thinking about it, I don't know why they didn't. I guess it was just really. I don't know. Was it really why that they much? Didn't get that second runway done sooner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that, but also like, if they could, they could have done buffs and bones, but just buffs from Diego and bones from um, the D, buffs I suppose. The D. But, 
but they just yeah. they just saw it as like a single kind of uh, avenue plan or whatever. Right. Um, Wanted they, to maintain one F- FOL and forward operating location. And yeah. I really wish I knew more about the background logistics of how that works. You know, I imagine part of it is having a, uh, you know, maintaining a bomb dump to a certain kind of level that you have X amount of, of JDM kits readily available. And right. if they had had split a bomber FOLs, then that would have been harder to do uh, by having the tankers, you know, by, by putting the B1s at the deed, any tankers that are at the deed can serve not only B1s, but people throughout the theater, whereas that's not necessarily true at Diego. So I think that probably played part two. But what you said about it, heard the B1 community, that's absolutely the case. The fleet health, the the manning, the, the training value in the or the training quality and the fact that you're deployed for six months, home for a year. So in that year, you have to accomplish all your upgrades, all your MQT. You have to do deployment spin up and focus on probably not much more than CAS and dynamic yeah. targeting in the three months or so before you go. So that doesn't leave a lot of time to really, uh, you know, delve into the other mission stats like standoff weapons and mining and all the other things that bombers do. Become, yeah, become more well-rounded, I guess. Uh, you, you, like you said, you're kind of focused on one narrow mission set because you know that's what you're going to have to do. Um, thank God there's no uh, MCO or major combat operation type fight that popped off because then we, <laughs> and we were lying. I we were like, ah, oh, shit. Now I need you to dynamic, dynamically target this bone. And like, uh, can I just put a JDM on it? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we do not need that right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it's interesting. Ones would have... okay. I always think about how the, uh, I mean, I guess it's because the buff had, and this is not like bone versus buff, but I think mm-hmm. the bone was doing a lot better with like, standoff um like you could just see from like wick papers and stuff how the bone has like a little bit more of the uh the standoff kind of tactics kind of set or like set for the two platforms you know like mm-hmm. buff guys oh like always, jasm tactics or yeah, yeah more, yeah. more ducked out i think yeah, yeah I, like I think that's a product of uh of the b52 had calcum first and calcum was so much more hands-off everything was done for you so when Jasmine came on that was the mentality that we brought to it was you know that really smart people should come up with the plan and ideally it shouldn't be somebody in the unit and then you mm-hmm. know you push a button at the right time and the missile goes and you've done your job whereas the the b1 community got the missile no previous experience with calcum long ago experience in nuke and they probably you know attacked it in the same way that they would attack a a jdam problem set or you know um contested major combat operations type target set yeah i think the bone did a really good job with the the standoff tactics and stuff like that and uh yeah i I was always wondering why that was but yeah that makes sense and then um what were you saying about this was before the podcast i guess but you actually did get an answer on that uh crew dog page but not like you would like <laughs> oh no no the, the the person did slide into my dms and <laughs> we had a little a little back and forth about you know hey how did you get in a position to uh to influence that change and uh that kind of thing i i didn't catch what they were doing now and uh I, and I never raised it, but I did say in that post, you know, I hope that the person will identify themselves and, uh, and they, and they did not. So, uh, you know, the Joker was disappointed that Batman didn't, didn't show up. 
What did he have? Uh, did he like kind of explain himself a little bit? Not, I mean, not that he's a horrible guy, obviously, but like. No, not at all. Uh, but the, I, I feel like it explains itself because really yeah. financially, logistically, I can't argue with it. But I'm just really surprised that, that they never caught more crap from other people in the community for it. Like the fact that I had never heard their name until 2018 surprised me. And uh, <laughs> they didn't have anything new to say about that. But uh, they did. They did say that they appreciated the uh, the reminder and the the walk down memory lane. So they had a, <laughs> you know, good attitude about it. It's probably one of those things. He was like, "Yeah, I did this." Like, and like you guys are saying, like it wasn't intentional. He's just like, "Oh shit!" Well, now that's what happened. Like I didn't think you guys would do that, but <laughs> and he's probably yeah. glad to like a good reminder. Like, oh, you know, somebody pat somebody on the ass and shit in your hand, or the path to, <laughs> the path to hell was saved with good intentions. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that I can I can imagine that would be kind of a tough place to be in like if you're trying to figure out the solution and the solution is to screw over the buff. You know what I mean? Like but yeah. <laughs> I guess he could have at least proposed that plan and who knows if he did or not. But right. whoever the like, general was or somebody yeah. just said like, Oh, thanks. You know, it's like No <laughs> <laughs> But wait, you didn't hear the rest of my plan. No, yeah. that's all yeah. I needed to hear. Thanks for the answer. Yeah. yeah. Good job, man. Like, where were your two throwaway coas? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got two codes. Code one is this. All right, sounds good. I don't. I don't need to hear the rest. <laughs> yeah, that was that was really interesting when I saw that. I'm glad you. Uh, I'm glad you posted that because. Yeah. I, I guess I like never really thought about it from that like dimension, you know, or like that. That's where it came from. I guess I don't didn't yeah. know really where it came from, but I thought it was right. mostly, I guess, the um, the flying the missiles across the country type of thing, you know. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. I was so glad when I found out it was about money and not, you know, who was better than who, because <laughs> that's what I thought for so long. And that's what I was so self-conscious about. <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean, maybe it was complimentary kind of thing. But, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Maybe they were going to build the second runway at the deed, but then they had to take that money to pay to stand up the 69th because we flew <laughs> across the country. Yeah, right. It, it could have been, you know, it was um, – Think of all the good that came out of that, though. I mean, in the fact that we we had about ten years to try to basically unfuck ourselves and like prove that we were worth a damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had always had a chip yeah. on our shoulder for those ten years. Otherwise, we'd have just been like, oh yeah, let's kind of do the things. Uh, maybe that was the case. I don't know. Maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. No. Like now we can walk and chew gum at the same time and do <laughs> do nuke and do conventional and and not fail at either of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I guess uh, it's natural or going to happen, but there might be more opportunities in the future for things to continue if you understand. And I think uh, I think things have happened already, right? Uh, or at least um, some fake outs, I suppose, for the buffer, the right. bone, for uh, right. opportunities. Um, right. So, well, yeah, that is. Yeah, go and, and I mean, yeah, I mean, the ironic thing is earlier this year, the only bombers in combat anywhere were B-52s from Diego doing cast once more, which happened by by accident. You know, they got sent to Diego for different reasons. But then right. once they were there, they were available to be tasked. And, and I'm kind of I'm kind of jealous of those guys from the 20th that got to go on that trip <laughs> because Diego is a fantastic place. Uh, I never got to go. I never got to go. Yeah. And that's really cool, too. I mean. Obviously, if you stay in the community, you're kind of 
you know, you see more things or get your like your fill somewhere else type of thing. But yeah, that's just, that must have been so cool to kind of do like go there for one thing, like deterrence essentially, and then be like, you know, be flexible and just do something else. And you know, that's that must have been awesome, you know, to look back on, especially right place, uh, right time, I guess. Yeah, just like everything else, I suppose, which is kind of crazy, but. Uh. Oh, that was kind of like if we're if we're talking about um, rivalries now. That's kind of like how right after the uh, Buffs left the desert, like within a week or so, they were launching <laughs> Jasmine off of Bones, and you know, and the the infamous, the infamous person who yes. put on their uh, I don't remember who it was, but the infamous Bone guy who in our uh, I guess the personnel um, Facebook group to kind of figure out where you want to go and like different opportunities amongst the bomber um, force <laughs> decides to drop the uh, go with the nuclear option and put first to drop jazz and suck it. <laughs> <Essentially>. <laughs> yeah. And it was, Sparked off a shitstorm across <laughs> probably all four bases uh, <laughs> as far as leadership goes. But I think um, I think it was actually Jasm. You said it the best, where you're like, when when we fight, the B two guys win. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez, screw those guys. Uh, it is but- it is so funny. We never like give them shit. They're like, it's like. The Bones and the Buffs are fighting, and the B twos are just in the corner, like eating their fucking caviar or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yourself. That's what it is. Yeah, but uh, yeah. but hey, I mean, like the B twos. What the fuck do they do? You know what I mean? Like, and especially I'll tell you one thing, definitely not Cass. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when the B twenty one comes online, are they just gonna like blow all the B twos up? You know what I mean? Like, because I doubt they're gonna give it to somebody else. I don't know. Right. You know? Yeah, maybe a companion trainer for the B twenty one. Yeah, maybe. Or just send send them to the deserts of Nevada, and they can just go fly with the F one seventeens whenever they decide to do their spooky stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's funny. Oh. Yeah, I always feel like they uh, they're not really carrying the load just because they're so special, you know, like yeah. those bastards. But right, gotta keep, yeah, gotta keep them. Now they have one up squatter. Yeah. yeah. That's that's so odd. I mean, it's even odd for me to think about before the 69th that the 23rd was the only op squadron in the north, you know? Yeah, isn't that weird? That's so odd to me, but... Yeah. What was it like when the 23rd was deployed during that time, you know? Like, <laughs> who brought the fun to the base? Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, especially, like, everybody here has been at Barksdale, but here is so fucking crowded and convoluted. I can't imagine just having one op squadron in, in a base and you're like so far away from everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no competing uh, agencies or priorities, you know, that's so interesting, yeah. but it must've been so peaceful. But yeah. <laughs> well, I, it, that's like whenever, if you ever remember like being up there and when a large amount of people would go TDY and you're back home, you're, you're kind of just like look around and you're like, well, it's uh three o'clock. I guess I'll go home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? You could just like, stay oh. home for like three months or something like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, Nobody no, would notice. Like, no, you got to go like the one person who's designated to go to your staff meetings, and that's about it. <laughs> like the first couple months of COVID ops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. That was uh, good in a way, I suppose. But yeah, it was a good reset button, I guess. Yeah. Well, I think we're, um, we're now. You got? Uh, well, what do you got there, Port? No, I think I was going to say, yeah, that, that kind of sums it up pretty well. Awesome. It was great talking to you guys. Yeah, yeah we'll have you, uh, certainly have you on again uh, sometime soon. Uh, did you guys ever, uh, you and the wife ever 
plan that political podcast. <laughs> I think that was awesome. The time never never developed. You know, I had this whole brilliant idea that it was going to be during 2019 and, and be about the, the 30th anniversary of the year 1989, uh, you know, from a variety of different perspectives, political, musical. Uh, you know, we'd have to talk about the Taylor Swift album, of course. Uh, talk about, <laughs> you know, uh, Chinese relations 30 years after Tiananmen, relations with Russia 30 years after the fall of the wall, that kind of yeah. thing. And yeah, we were just way too busy. And, and now it's 2020. So, yeah, what are we going to do? <laughs> Hey, man, Ooh, I, the, uh, upcoming election, you know? Yeah, yeah, we could do some rank punditry, uh, as one <laughs> of my favorite podcasters calls it. We're just talking about politics. <laughs> exactly. Always a market for that. Uh, yeah. Well, all right then. Yeah. All right. We'll see ya. You're good. Yep. See ya. Guys. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of any agency of the U.S. government.